This episode of the Paceline Podcast is presented by Unpaved of the Susquehanna River Valley, a premier raw road adventure through 120 miles of central Pennsylvania on October 14th. Unpaved, it's easy on the eyes, hard on the legs. Check it out at unpavedpennsylvania.com. The Paceline is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. The Fit Chick. Each week, we take a look at different facets of how cycling fits into our lives. How goes it, Celine? It's going pretty well, Patrick. Nice cool. and steamy out here in the Mid-Atlantic and uh, buckling down for more storms, I think. But otherwise, we're, we're doing well. Okay, so everything's nice and green there, unlike here. Oh, super green! It's it's that's the that's the upside. Is incredibly lush right now. <laughs> Very cool. And when you go riding into the woods, are you like plowing through lots of spider webs? Uh, only in the morning, and only if I'm leading. I, I try to let somebody else do that. <laughs> <laughs> I got a reminder of that last weekend. It's like, oh yeah, spider webs. Oh, when I they hit your this- face full on, it's terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I try not to squeal. <laughs> I don't like arachnids. I squeal, but it's fine. <laughs> All right. I'm going to lead this one out today. Um, okay. I mentioned last week, I've got a big event coming up this weekend. And so goals are on my mind. Uh, so Saturday, I'm doing this mountain bike race called Wente. It's an eight-hour race held at a Boy Scout camp near the town of Willits in Mendocino County. For reasons no one is entirely clear on, this guy who is an Eagle Scout and went on to be a counselor at the camp, the Boy Scouts of America decided, you want to build flow trails on our property? Yeah, build flow trails on our property. And so it's an eight-hour race on flow trails. Just try to wrap your head around that, okay? That sounds great and horrible all at the same time. Okay, yeah, that's probably entirely fair. Um, (laughs) so this is just making that clear. Yeah. Yeah. We should get that out there. Be on record. Um, this is a bike monkey event. And for me, that's kind of my shorthand way of saying it's one of the best organized events I do all year. And it's also easily the most fun I've ever had at a mountain bike race because it falls the same weekend as dirty Kanza. When I was at dirty Kanza last year, I was entirely torn because like, yay, I get to do Dirty Kanza. But at the same time, I was missing all my friends having fun at Wente and all those Facebook Hmm. posts. Um, So I'm back for Wente this year. Um, And, you know, honestly, I mean, this thing is so good. It's part of the reason that I moved to Sonoma County. I would see stuff going off and it's like I couldn't get seven hours north that weekend to do the race. And so I'd miss stuff. And it's like, ah, move. Just move. <laughs> they are wow. that good. Yeah. That's saying something. Um, now, I've also shared that uh, 
I put on some weight last uh, last winter. And so I've kind of needed a goal to help drive me this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there were the fires and uh, there was just a little bit more beer and wine than usual. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, so having this event looming, even beyond all the grasshoppers I did, has really been helpful in focusing me uh, for my training, even if I'm not terribly disciplined. Uh you know, the big thing I've needed is endurance. Uh, it's an eight-hour race. And I need endurance mm-hmm. like a rock band needs a stage. Um, but really, Wente is just a stop along the way. It's both an end in itself because it's such a great event. But it's also really a means to an end. You know, it helped me get back to the fitness mm-hmm. that I want to have. Um And, you know, so I'm really looking forward to what this could mean for uh, a shift in my riding and my ability to stay with people on climbs uh, through the rest of the summer. You know, I've seen, I guess what's really on my mind, so many cyclists I know will complete some goal, you know, tick off that box, you know, Mm -hmm. pull that out of their bucket list and then lay off the riding. Um, And then they lose all that incredible fitness. Um, The funny thing is, this may be one of the rare circumstances where not being a particularly goal-oriented person actually serves me. Um, You know, I tend to just head off on quests. I don't set goals. I decide I'm going to do this thing. That's how graduate school was. That's honestly how Red Kite Prayer was. Um, You know, so to paraphrase the Buddha, I just try to enjoy the journey. So... For you, I have less a question, and certainly I don't want to criticize anyone who is goal-oriented, because think of all the things they've done in the world, Uh, but I want to ask you to speak on focusing on fitness and riding for riders' sake, rather than just chasing a race performance. It's so interesting and timely that you bring this up Um, because I literally just wrote today a piece with a sports psychologist, Christy Johnson, out of Iowa. And we were talking about that very same thing that, uh, you know, and her line that really stuck with me is that performance oriented goals are the enemy of lifetime fitness. And I was like, no, wait, stop. Say that again. It's so good. It is. Performance-oriented goals are the enemy of lifetime fitness. And I, and I thought, wow. Because, you know, what she is saying, and, and in very subtle ways, a lot of us have fallen victim to that because of things like Strava, even. <laughs> like, even people who normally wouldn't be super, super performance-oriented all the time, you know, you see them on Strava and it's like, Monday recovery ride. Man, I was so slow. It's like they feel like they need to, like, Title the ride to justify not going fast. <laughs> yes. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? It's like oh, a really interesting it. phenomenon, and people don't. You know, I've actually heard people say that, like, "Oh, I don't even want to put up this ride because it was so slow." And I was like, "Wow, that's a whole other thing." But, but sort of that's to your point in a little bit, and to your point in a lot of bit. Um, I am, I am a very goal oriented person, and sometimes without a goal, I feel completely adrift. Like I have no anchor to, for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. But it, but it's a, it is a true struggle because you know, like as soon as I'm done with one thing, everybody is asking me, "What's next? What's next? What are you doing next?" And sometimes I, I, I actually don't want to do anything next. 
But mm. then I have to figure out what that means for myself, right? Because I am very goal oriented. And, and these past several weeks after Michigan, I've made a point of taking my computer off my bike. Now, that's not to say I'm not recording my rides. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> you know, I have it in my pocket. But um, but so I'm not so I'm not looking at those numbers with expectation. Right. Because that's what we do. Our Garmin or Oahu, whatever it is, is sitting there. And if our average MPH is not a number we like or we're seeing stuff that we're unhappy with or that is reflective of a performance that we think is, quote unquote, slow, then it can kind of wreck our ride. And that's not why we all started riding. You know, like you have to go back to the heart of like, what is it about? So, you know, I've deliberately gone on these sort of the kind of the rides that you're talking about, like quests, you know, like my friends will be like, oh, let's let's hook up this loop with this loop and end up at this brewery and do this. And and no one is look, no one is caring about any of that. Like we're trying to see things and we're on our bikes to be together and have some fun. And it's not about performance. Um, and I think that even for goal oriented people like like myself, that's super important. Because yeah. let's be clear, like our performance is not on this trajectory to the moon, right? Like you're not just, it's, it's physically impossible for all of us to just keep getting faster and better. Like at some point there's going to be a plateau and inevitably, if you stay in this sport the rest of your life, at some point you're going to slow down, you know, and that's, that's okay. And if everything is pinned on placement in an event, you're not going to be okay with it. So then what do you do? You either don't do the events that you love to do because you don't like where your name is on the leaderboard or you find other purpose. You know, so in some ways, Patrick, I think you're ahead of the curve being a little Buddhist about all this because it bodes well for you being in the sport long term and for enjoying the sport long term. I know a lot of people who have hung up their racing wheels and have stopped doing events Mm -hmm. just because they can't put their ego aside. They can't. They just you know, they, they love this thing, but because they're not in the in the pointy end of the pack, so to speak, they don't want to be there. Yeah. And, you know, that's OK. It's also kind of sad. Like, I think that at the end of the day, and I hate that, like, I always dive really deep, but that's just how I think. Like, this is it. This is our one life, right? Like, you're on your bike to enjoy things like it's in the end of all of our lives it doesn't matter where you like you know just be happy that you're pedaling a bike and that you're in the sun and that you have this luxury you know and i think that um i think that it's fine to want to perform well because you want to not suffer right or that you want to enjoy the the events that you do more um but if it's all about performance you're just not going to you're not going to enjoy yourself very much yeah yeah um and i mean you know it's one of those things where you know, yeah, no matter what, there's going to come a year where you simply can't hit what you did the previous year. You know, this Life aging gets thing, in the way. Yeah. It, well, just aging is not working oh, well, out for that. any of us. You know, <laughs> uh, I hear but no it, one gets out alive. Yeah. I've heard that. I, I have heard that as well. Um, and I think that it just it, you need to just change your perspective on things, you know, and, and that's not all bad. Yeah. You know, that's not there, there are positives to that if you look for them. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've I re- can recall saying to friends and certainly it's a, a mantra internally is that I'd really like to age with some grace. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to be and certainly I'm not. But, you know, I, I mean, if I could imagine any 
any alternate universe present tense for myself, I wouldn't want to be that guy winning all the 50 plus races right now. I don't, I just don't even want that for myself. I don't want to be known as the guy who can't let it go. You know, um, that's not how I want to be driven. Um, and that's not an achievement, uh, that I think would really, you know, satisfy me deep down. I mean, I say this as like, you know, somehow I pulled the W out of the hat last Wednesday at the dirt crits. So it's not like I'm not unwilling to, uh, I'm, I'm still willing to try to go fast, but mm-hmm. it's not my raison d'etre. Uh, right. So yeah, I, I would, I, I hope I will age with some grace and let go of this. Um, but you know, yeah, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna ride hard and try to go fast here and there. I I think that is the definition of aging with grace, actually. So I, I think I think you're doing okay. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> you know, one one other little aside. Uh, another way I've I've uh, discovered to help me let go of of those expectations of looking down at the computer and thinking. You're only going 16 miles an hour. What the hell? Go for a road ride on a gravel bike. Mm. You're just not going to go as fast. And and it's really easy to just completely let go of, you know, well, I should be going this fast. Uh, right. It's it's kind of helpful in that regard. <laughs> um, yes, it is. And you're paying attention to other things, you know, like the surface that you're riding on. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, I'll even do... I'll even use my gravel bike for a road ride. Oh, I'll do that too. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yep. Oh, hey, comfort. What a novel concept. <laughs> what a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so, hey, everybody, this is The Pace Line. We're going to take a brief break for a sponsor, and we'll be right back with Celine. This episode of The Pace Line podcast is presented by Unpaved of the Susquehanna River Valley, a premier raw road adventure through 120 miles of central Pennsylvania on October 14th. Created in the spirit of Dirty Kansas and Rebecca's private Idaho, Unpaved brings premier gravel racing to the heart of Pennsylvania. The course runs through the remote Amish countryside, the stunning Bald Eagle State Forest, and cuts through the Buffalo Valley during PA's peak foliage season. Riders can choose from three options, 120 miles with 9,500 feet of climbing, 90 miles with 6,000 feet of climbing, or a 30-mile option that will give riders a taste of what the gravel racing scene is all about. Unpaved. It's easy on the eyes, hard on the legs. Check it out for more information at unpavedpennsylvania.com. And we're back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Celine, what do you have for us today? Well, I have a little bit of a departure from that conversation. Um, I've been thinking a lot about e-bikes. Um, mm. I got a, a Karmic Kobin, which is very basic pedal assist e-bike. And by that, I mean when I push on the pedals, a little motor engages and gives me a boost. Have you have you ridden a bo- e-bike, Patrick? 
Yeah, I've got a you know spicy curry, which is a cargo e-bike. Yeah, so I'm, Ooh, I'm nice. all yeah, I'm all about it. It gets me okay, out of the so, car an awful lot. Uh, so you, you know, you know where I'm going with this. This thing is a joy to ride. I live on the outskirts of town on top of it's it's not a big mountain, but it's a it's a hill. It's an annoying hill. And when you're tired, it feels like a crushing hill. Right. And there are many times that I'm pretty beat from training or racing and I'm in a hurry and I find myself taking my car for short trips that are so unnecessary to take my car for. But it's really just because I've got a have got stuff to carry and I've got a backpack on and it's no fun slogging up the hill on a bike with legs that are burning. It's just no fun, right? So I take the yeah. car. So since getting this e-bike, I have replaced easily at least one car trip a day with an e-bike trip. It hasn't replaced any, quote unquote, real rides, you know, where I want to push myself and get a good workout. I use my regular bikes for all that stuff. So I feel very good about this bike's place in my life. You know, it serves yeah. a totally other purpose that I think is actually a pretty lofty one. Now, the twist here, um, as people know, I write for bicycling and I, I test some bikes and I am supposed to be testing a drop bar road e-bike. So this mm-hmm. is not like this, you know, my thing with the, with the racks that I take downtown to go to the library and stuff. This is, this is a road riding bike, recreational road riding bike. And Patrick, I am really, you know, I've been conflicted about it. And I've been conflicted about these since I've, I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I can give you lots of bogus reasons for that, you know, like my conflicts. <laughs> But when I when I look deep inside myself and I'm honest, I think that the thing that I really don't like about it is that, and this is a little vain and it is what it is, but I feel like it diminishes the currency of my fitness. And by that I mean, you know, I have worked very hard, I train, I put in the time, and that is the reason that I believe that, you know, I can ride up these hills where I live and go, go so far and go so fast. And... There's a little, maybe not so little part of me that gets rubbed the wrong way at the thought of people just being able to jump on an e-bike because they are not just equalizers. They're beyond equalizers. And if you've ever ridden one, you know that. Yeah. Um, And just be that much faster without putting in the work. And there I said it. So like, it's, you know, I I think, (laughs) I think I'm not the only person that feels that way. I feel like it's super, like it's, it's hard for me to put that out there because it is a lot of ego in that statement, but I, I really suspect I'm not the only one that feels that way. And I suspect when I see all these really contentious posts about e-bikes on Facebook and all these places, that, that that ego piece is behind more of them than people will let on. What oh, do you think? It's, it's, 90, it's 95% of all the opposition, if not 103% of all the opposition. <laughs> uh, I mean, what you've just articulated, that's smack dab the middle of the bell curve that is that is the top of the very bell curve itself of opposition to e-bikes um you know the the funny thing is i mean i get how no one wants to be passed by some yuts on an e-bike <laughs> who has trained you know half as much as they have i get that nobody wants that um, the first time I had a guy on an e-bike pass me on the bike path as I was doing a recovery ride, you know, something primal rose up in me with just a, a, a silent grrr. 
deep yep. down inside. Uh, I, I, I bristled. I did. Um, and I thought about it and it's like, okay, he's got this crazy Billy blast off full face helmet on, you know, it's like a full face evil Knievel helmet from 1971, <laughs> you know, part, part fishbowl on his face. He, he looked ridiculous. Um, he wasn't even pedaling. He had one of the ones with a throttle button on it. So he just guns it oh, see, on this hill. No, I'm anti, like, I'm anti throttle button. I'm, yeah, I draw the line there. I don't I'm, like that. I'm That's, with, yeah, yeah. I'm with you a thousand percent on that. And so he, he kind of epitomized absolutely everything everybody dislikes about e-bikes. Yes. Yes. And you know, the second time he did it, you know, it was like, Oh, good grief. And then, you know, he passed me too close. Okay. Just inches to spare. And that's when I realized, okay, now that was the so-and-so move. Uh, That's a real reason to not be wild about somebody. All the rest of it, that's just me and my ego. Yep. And the thing that I, I really realized, because the cycling culture is already so... Uh, so opposed to this, it's not like anybody's going to really get away with anything. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we've got all these crazy straw man arguments of, oh, someone's going to get themselves way out into the back country and they're going to need to be rescued. You know, that's the same stuff hikers were saying about mountain bikes in 1985. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's, it's BS. You don't need an e-bike to need to be airlifted. You know, that's, that's just silly. Right. Um, I had an experience uh, this spring, another Bike Monkey event, I'm pleased to say, Fish Rock. Um, mm-hmm. it's a, it was a gravel event, um, but it was like of 80 miles, I don't know, 55 or 60 uh, were paved. Uh, crazy hilly. The, the hardest opening dozen miles of any event in my life. Just stupidly hard. Uh, unforgettable hard. There was a woman there on a giant e-road bike. Um, really? And yeah, and she would come charging by me from time to time. Um, and then later on, I'd see her again someplace. And finally, at some point on Fish Rock, she'd gotten ahead of me again. And I saw her pulled over and putting her bike in the back of an SUV. I guess she was out of battery. <laughs> um, but the funny thing was, I remember distinctly being on a climb and her coming by me and she wasn't roaring by me at 25 miles an hour. You know, I was doing eight and she was doing nine and a half or something. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and it was like, you know, whatever. I mean, she's out here. She's having a good time. She's enjoying this event. Uh, She's seeing something she wouldn't see. I have no reason to be opposed to that. She hasn't actually harmed me. She hasn't harmed the event. She's not harming anyone else. She's not putting anything over on anyone else. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, you know, and the funny thing is, say you go out for your typical group ride, you know, the Saturday fast person ride. Uh, mm-hmm. You show up and somebody there is on an e-bike. It's, you know... Everybody is so sensitive to it. They're not going to put anything over on the group. If right. it's someone, if it's someone who has very fairly recently been pretty quick, I think everybody will probably give them a certain amount of cultural elbow. 
You know, it's like, come on, really? Mm-hmm. But I really don't think that's who you're going to see. Right. I think, by and large, everybody we see on e-road bikes is going to be, you know, recovering from an injury. 65 or older, you know, uh, new to cycling. Um, I think the great fear that most people imagine what it is they're reacting to is somebody who's around their fitness trying to use an e-bike to put one over on them or someone who's who's distinctly not as strong as them trying to beat them with the help of it. And it's like, oh, good grief. You know, everybody's going to be wise to it. They're not going to get away with anything. And this is a fear that I don't think is actually going to manifest in who's really buying these bikes. Oh, I think I think you are absolutely correct there. And um, Ed Benjamin really put me in my place. He's an e-bike consultant and a longtime involver in the in the sport of cycling. You know, yeah. he's in his seventies, and he said, he said like you actually have no idea, and you have no right to talk. And he was he was right. Um, he's like, this, this thing is extending my mountain biking by 15 years at this point. He's like, I can mountain bike until I'm dead on this e-bike. And, you know, like, who am I to say, oh, you shouldn't be enjoying this sport that you grew up loving, right? Like, I, I, in my heart of hearts, I'm not anti-e-bikes. I'm not. Like, I, it's a lot yeah. to admit that that ego thing is in there, and it is. But I, when I'm out thinking about it and thinking, wow, I love riding and this is so great and the wind in my face and the sun and all that, like, why then I can't deny somebody that same joy, that same accessibility to the sport <laughs> just because for whatever reason, you know, they, they, they're not fit or they think that they need this thing or they just like this thing, right? Like, that's yeah. okay too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we're going to make admissions, okay, I'm an introvert. I work alone. You know, you, you can see from the camera, you know, yeah, I'm here in a room all by myself. Um, I don't really like people as, as a rule, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, I'm not Mr. Social. I am not naturally predisposed to big tent, but what I know of the good in the world, what I know of the best in people Um, is to be accepting, to find a way to make that Mm -hmm. tent bigger and to welcome people. And I know that every time we welcome someone else into the sport, no matter what the route is, no matter, you know, what bike they're on, we're all going to benefit for it. Um, You know, even if I'd rather just be left alone. Um, (laughs) Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, you know, have fun on that Coben, but I'm interested to hear how things go with the e-road bike that you're on. I I will let you know. I haven't tried it yet. I, I I'm gonna bank. I'll bet you a donut that neither one of us are likely to eat. But I'll bet you a donut <laughs> that there's gonna be something in that experience that surprises you, and I want to hear about what that surprise is. You have a deal. Okay. Cool. Um. All right, well, let's get on to the Paceline Picks. What do you have for us today? Okay, another little controversial uh, riding thing. Riding with music, <laughs> right? This is it's the things that, that make people, you know, flare up on Facebook. But seriously, like, I'm not one to actually ride with music much. I, I'm a little hippy-dippy. I like the ambient sounds. I like the crunch under my tires. I like all that. I, I, I don't. I don't really ride with music. And and honestly, I cringe a little bit when I see people with their both of their ears plugged up 
humming down the road or or if you're on the trail and they can't hear you when you're coming up behind them, it, it's annoying. But anyway, there yeah. are times, all that said, when I appreciate a good playlist to get through a workout. If I'm going to be doing intervals in the park or you know, somewhere where I'm, I'm relatively away from people and safe. Uh, I still, I used to use just one earbud. You know, it's a solution a lot of people use. You can hear out of one ear, but you still have your music. But I have found um, these bone conduction headphones. They're Aftershocks Treks. And they are open ears, so they sit over your ears, and they have little pads that just sit on your cheekbones. And the vibration, yeah, the transducers, like, guide the vibrations through your cheekbones into your inner ears. And it's amazing. Like, so I can have them on, and you and I could be having a conversation. I can still hear, like, I can literally hear, if I run over a leaf, I hear it. But I also can hear my music, and it's just, I, it's eye-opening it's just like a really great in my mind solution so when i have read like some crazy workout on tap and i and i know that that's going to help me get through it it's just it's been um it's been a little transformational honestly they're really cool so that's mine like riding with music a little more safely a little more responsibly yeah yeah very cool uh you know there's a helmet out there from a company called koros uh that i have tried it bone Mm -hmm. conduction yeah. And yeah. I had the same reaction as you. I mean, the helmet, um, it's a it's a little well, it's a lot like the specialized evade. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is. And so it's it's a little high strung looking. Um, I prefer <laughs> if it was like, you know, a, a mountain bike helmet or something else like that, where I'm actually more likely to use it. But yeah, it'll I was, probably come. That technology will come. Yeah, yeah, I was anyway. really impressed at how well it worked and how like. Yeah, I didn't feel like I'd lost anything in terms of my ability to hear a car coming up behind me. Yeah, yeah, really amazing. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah, and I'm with you. I'm not an earbud on the road person myself. Uh, I'll do it on mountain bike rides when I'm alone. Um, Mm -hmm. Or if I know I'm going to be like in a group that really breaks up a lot. Um, I love to have a uh, a good tune on a descent. Uh, or sometimes on a difficult climb. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. My pick is a pair of shoes from Northwave. I've been riding mm. the Ghost XCM mountain bike shoes of late. And honestly, <laughs> to some something of a surprise, really loving them. Um, I've been talking to a lot of riders. Uh, this is happening more and more who will confess to me that they'd like a wider shoe or a higher volume shoe than what they've been riding. Sometimes it's because they have a wide or high volume foot, but also there are other reasons like sometimes their feet swell on long days, uh, especially if they get wet or if it's if it's hot that day. Sometimes it's wanting to wear a thicker sock in the cold or to prevent blisters. Regardless of the reason, the Ghost XCM is a really impressive shoe. It's not a full carbon sole. That's the Ghost XC. Uh, but it has carbon insert for stiffness at the pedal. Um, and the size range on these shoes is incredible, from 34 to 50, including half sizes from 39.5 to 45.5. Uh, hmm. The upper is artificial leather. It's really abrasion resistant. Um, and amazingly, it is the only single dial shoe that doesn't overly tighten across my instep. I, I swear that's been a huge problem for me. Um, it's a different dial from the BOA. It's called the SLW2, which is truly a sexy name. 
Um, <laughs> but somehow the lacing pattern for the cable snugs the shoe perfectly. My favorite feature about the shoe, though, is that unlike every Northwave shoe I've ever tried to wear in the past that were all too narrow, the Ghost XCM has terrific volume and is wider than the vast majority of production shoes I try. Um, so I'd say it's like a, a D plus, not quite an E width, but certainly like a yeah. D plus. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe yeah, maybe a single E. Uh, it's really wide and super high volume. Uh, suggested retail is two fifty, and honestly, I'm probably going to race this shoe on Saturday. Cool. Yeah. I hope it goes well for you. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hopeful. <laughs> of course, there's the whole day to get through. <laughs> Well, and your feet, that's a real deal, though. Like, I talk about that with Kansas all the time. Like, the first year I did it, I did it in XC racing shoes, like really stiff uh, XC uh racing shoes. Oh, my Lord. My feet felt like they were in vice grips by the end of the race. Like, you know, they just, they're so unforgiving and your feet swell and there's just nowhere for your feet to go. And it's like an eight hour day. You could totally get there if it's warm or, you know, it's important to have a shoe that lets your let your foot expand as it's going to for a long effort like that. Yeah. And because we'll be doing multiple laps of this course, the opportunity to get into the start finish and get into the pits and like swap out some stuff, like maybe put on a fresh pair of socks as I'm drinking. Yeah. yeah. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's been a while since I've had a chance to play with that. So very cool. So, well, I'd say that's a wrap for this episode of the pace line. Celine, I mean, we've talked about what I'm up to this weekend. What about you? What are you doing this weekend? Um, you know, I'm really not doing much this weekend. I'm catching up on work. I I had such a busy spring leading into that Michigan event that uh, some things maybe fell by the wayside. So I've just been doing some rides with friends. I'll probably get out early on Saturday and Sunday and then just spend the day catching up on life. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I've got our local dirt crits tonight, and then I need to start packing for this weekend. There will be a lot to pack. There's a lot Um, to pack. Yeah. Well, hey, before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for my other new podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in in one-on-one interviews. Like I've said before, think Terry Gross for the bike set. Until next week, thanks for listening to The Pace Line.